Well, thanks for joining us. This is Jonathan Armstrong from Cordry over here in London. I'm joined by Eric Sinrod from Dwayne Morris over in California, IA. And <laughs> Eric, a thought just popped into your inbox. <laughs> we are talking about inboxes. And by the way, Jonathan, we're wishing you and your countrymen well for the big wedding coming up, the royal wedding coming up uh, in a couple days. But um, oh, thanks, thanks so much. I'll pass your regards on to, to Harry and Meghan uh, this evening. I know they can't proceed without me. You know that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is this is this is Eric Sinrod and Dwayne Morris. Um, let's let's start kind of at the beginning. Long ago in internet time, uh, email was hip, Jonathan, and it was the next big thing. Uh, people old like us remember that. You know, no, when, it, when email came along, no longer did we have to shove paper into fax machines to send what we thought then were relatively quick communications, nor did we have to wait for the paper to spit out from such noisy machines when receiving fast-breaking information. Instead, in paperless fashion, we could send and receive email right from our own computers and then laptops, tablets, and phones, etc. But technology continues to evolve, and as Internet time went by, email maybe wasn't so cool, and by some was considered to be a dinosaur. Why, Jonathan, why? Because along came text and the vast assortment of social media means of communication like instant messaging, Snapchat, WhatsApp messages, Facebook posts, Twitter tweets, and the list goes on and on. And there were concerns also about email hacks and lack of security with respect to email communications. So here we are uh, in 2018. Is email dead? Jonathan, not so fast. First of all, Google alone claims to have 1.4 billion monthly active mm -hmm. Gmail email users. And second, to keep email popular among its users, Especially given hacking concerns, Google, for one, uh, is now introducing an updated version of Gmail that will allow for disappearing emails in addition to other features like priority and snoozing functions, a calendar and tasks panel, a slightly different design, um, which I'm sure is appealing. So um, of all these features, probably the most notable to me is the one relating to security. Uh, when drafting an email, a user can click the lock icon at the bottom of the Gmail email to turn on confidential mode. That's what it's called. At that point, a user like you, Jonathan, can set the message to expire anywhere from one to five years, sorry, one day to five years, pardon me, and can require the recipient of the email to enter a passcode texted to their phone before that person can read the email. On top of that, um, emails in confidential mode will pop open in a unique window that does not permit the recipient to forward, copy, or print the message, although one thing that occurs to me is screenshotting is still possible. Um, winding this up, the sender can revoke an email at any point, uh, and these tools work not only as to email sent to other Gmail users, but to non-Gmail accounts as well, emanating from a Gmail uh, account. So um, 
there's more, uh, just a little bit more. Gmail is implementing large color-coded warnings on emails that it deems to be suspicious. Uh, Gmail is adding a feature called nudging. Uh, this, will, this will push emails it deems to be important to the top of the email inbox uh, as, to many, uh, as to as many as three emails per day. Uh, and then finally, if this were not all enough, attachments are shown in small boxes in preview. So long story short, maybe it wasn't that short, I apologize, but Gmail, Google and Gmail are certainly trying to make email not totally yesterday. They would even say, long live email. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, what's your response? Yes. I, I think it's very interesting. For, uh, for full disclosure, I, I think I've uh, worked with a client who's designed some of that functionality. But hmm. I am uh, a fan of, uh, of some of it, certainly. I mean, it seems to me, I'm going to sound incredibly old now, but I can remember the day when the law firm I worked with got its very first email. And, um, and a, a partner and I had really been pushing for us to have what I think was one of the first uh, 10 law firm websites in the UK. And we'd persuaded our partners that this was the future and that we should get on board with it. And imagine the excitement when the very first email came into the site, which uh, John, if you listen to these things, um, uh, we, we, I remember the day when he rang me and said, come down, let's open the first uh, email hmm. together. Um, and, um, and we're all very excited that we've got our first client off the new internet site via email. It turned out to be a um, a Russian bride email with the <laughs> with somebody saying they particularly like the look of John's face and and uh, in exchange for a for for an English passport she'd come over and and perform various tasks in his household. Uh, I can also remember and I know he listens to most of these uh, uh, webcast Martin uh, a, a colleague at the time who because emails were so rare. He'd set up a bugle tune which would sound automatically whenever hmm. an email arrived. Now, that was annoying back then. Imagine how annoying it would be these days if the little bugle sounded every time we got an email. So I think you're right that email has evolved. We've been doing some GDPR training this morning for a client, and we were having just this discussion where people are relatively um, moderate in what they say via email. And I think most people have changed from the early days when they thought it was a chatty medium to email being much more the business tool. I think a lot of the chat and a lot of the silliness has gone to IM and messaging, which of course is risky because that's also disclosable in a litigation context, as, as we talked about before, Eric, and also um, is subject to GDPR, so that would be subject to disclosure rules. But I think in some respects, this is, speaks to the maturity of, of Gmail as well, doesn't it? I mean, Gmail almost set up as an alternative to AOL. You used to have to pay an AOL a subscription, and then Gmail came along, and they weren't the first, of course, um, but they were one of the first to offer universal free emails. And then we saw that migration maybe five years ago 
that Google started to get more and more into the corporate market. And initially, that was a very clunky tool. I can remember we tried to do uh, an e-discovery type exercise on the mm -hmm. first corporation I'd come across that used Gmail, and it was an utter nightmare. You know, you, you, we needed the, the best technology brains we could find to work out how to extract that data and how to manipulate it and how to make it usable. But in recent years, Google have come on great strides in the corporate utility of Gmail. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, this is part of that whole maturity, if you like, isn't it? To, 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 to become more secure and to arrange these um, uh, auto-kill features on emails that some of us have expected in, in the corporate environment for many years but to make that a, a mass market product, I think will will certainly be be very interesting, and and maybe just maybe the corporate market's been a driver for that, but also things like GDPR. You know, we're a week away from GDPR going live, and I think in some respects that has been the driver for some, although of course not all of this. Uh, this innovation, and it's interesting that we've seen te uh, technology law as a driver for technology innovation, at least in mm -hmm. some limited respects. Then, Mike, I think my quick thoughts were as quick as your quick thoughts. Uh, but yeah, I just have, what do you I, think? I, have, I think those are really good points, and I just have four very um, brief replies. I'm so old, Jonathan. When I first started working at a law firm. You know, faxing really was the thing, and you know it was deemed so urgent. I recall oftentimes being in the law library back in the day when we used law libraries in our law firm rather than just pulling things up on our screen, and I would get paged once or twice a day saying, "Eric Sinrod, please report to the reception desk. You have a fax," and people would comment. I was working on this very um, urgent case, and they commented on how I was getting like two or three faxes a day. Uh, you know, something must be really happening. Um, in terms of my first email, well, it wasn't a Russian bride. It was probably a Nigerian prince asking for money. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. And then in terms of auto-kill, I mean, one thing I, I want to uh, emphasize is that, of course, you know, it's interesting when you have communications that can disappear, but whenever there's the prospect or actuality of litigation, then there's a requirement for a litigation hold and to preserve relevant evidence, otherwise you can be found uh, liable for spoliation. Um, and so there'll be some issues there potentially uh, in given context. And then lastly, I'll just note that you know you mentioned GDPR and you know GDPR um, has found its way, at least in terms of some discussion in practically every one of our podcasts over the last you know months, uh, which I mm. think you know underscores how important it is. And obviously that's something you've been focusing on. So I'm glad you've brought that to light for all of us. So we're probably past our 10, unless you have any further thoughts. Yes? No, I'm good to go. Uh, Thank you. I'll email you, you the okay, rest. He'll so email me the rest, <laughs> and then it'll disappear. Uh, this is Eric Stenrod at Dwayne Morris. This has been your weekly Tech Law 10. Please continue to follow us at the usual social media outlet and provide us with ideas for future podcasts. Jonathan, your turn. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Armstrong, jonathan.armstrong at corgicompliance.com. Uh, 
all that remains is to thank you for listening. Do enjoy the wedding. You're all welcome to Windsor if you are free on Saturday. We're welcoming the world um, we could do with your tourist dollars in any event. Um, but you're very welcome uh, to um, watch uh, either face-to-face -face or online. And um, all that remains is to say we'll catch up with you again in a week or so. Yes, and if you listen to this podcast after the wedding, uh, you can share your thoughts with us. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>